the name of God, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. Amen. Please be seated. So um, today, uh, the fourth Sunday in Lent is considered to be the middle Sunday um, of Lent. And uh, if you do your count, it's not actually the middle. Um, strictly speaking, the Thursday, last Thursday, is the middle Sunday of Lent, but only if you'd begun celebrating Lent following Quinquagesima, which is 36 fasting days, which is, we don't do that anymore. I'm sure some people do, but we do not. Um, and so this Sunday is known as Latere Sunday. Well, it can be called Refreshment Sunday. It can be called Mothering Sunday. Um, in some parishes, there's some liturgical changes. You'll see some flowers can come into the church in the middle of, middle of Lent. Rose-coloured vestments can be worn. There's a few things that lighten the Lenten observance on the Sunday. And part of that is we are making the statement that we are in that transitional time where we turn from our self-examination of ourselves to look to the cross, to look to the, res the joy of the resurrection. But Lent is not finished. We still have a couple more weeks of struggle. Let's think about that Lenten struggle. The Lenten struggle is to find time within our lives to consider those attributes of our character and lives that we wish we had more time to develop and enjoy. The Lenten struggle is to hold on to the hope that our aspirations can be realised, that those good things hoped for in ourselves can in some way come to pass. So today we look beyond ourselves to the hope we have in Easter Sunday that with God's help, that can be so. So if then the direction of the Sunday is supposed to orientate us towards resurrection and the promise that that represents, what can we learn from this week's gospel? Well, this week's gospel, the story of the prodigal son, is actually a story of transformation and of resurrection. You know, the prodigal son is one of the all-time favorites in the gospel, I think. And we love this parable because it is one of the most self-applicable ones. It is so easy to see ourselves in the story. We are the son. Impatient, restless, and willful. Sometimes we are the son living it up while the going is good, then reduced to self-pity when we wake to find ourselves in the pig pen. Sometimes we are the sun, shamefacedly turning around and heading back away from what we thought we wanted, back to what we had, but had discounted. But now, through hard-learned experience, we cherish and value Sometimes we are the son that is proud of our faithfulness, proud of our service, proud of our duty, unhappy but finding solace, finding consolation in the fact that we are doing the right thing. Sometimes we are the son who remains, the son who does all the hard work, the son 
whose internal monologue is not full of self-pity, but of self-righteousness. A self-righteousness that completely obscures the blessings of the closeness with the Father. Sometimes when we hear this parable, we are the son who was lost, but never left home. Each time we hear this parable, this story, we wonder again. We look at our lives and we place ourselves again at a different place in the story. So where are you today? Where do you perceive yourself to be? Where is the trajectory of your life taking you as you overlay Jesus' story on your present circumstances, on your feelings. Trajectory. I'm, I'm, I'm liking the word, but I'll tell you, it's pretty hard to say trajectory a whole bunch of times at 8 o'clock when you haven't had a coffee yet. But I think I'll do all right. I like the word trajectory because I like the way for me it conjures up an image of a curve, an arc. And that's, I think, that, that, that arc, that curve, is what allows us to find so much empathy within this parable, the trajectory of the son's life. You see it. The trajectory of the older son's response, you see it. And it's easy to harmonize our own perception of how we are right now in our lives within those arcs. It's the great thing about fitting ourselves into this parable of attaching our own perceived trajectory to one of the ones laid out in Jesus' story is that what is laid out in the story are trajectories that have a view. It's kind of like... Um, in my mind, when I see this, in my, it's like coming to one of those a big freeway turnpike in Texas. And you drive up these six-lane freeways, and you hit a mixmaster to a big turnpike. And you can see it in the distance, because there's nothing that's all flat. You can see it in the distance, rising out of the flat. These huge arcs, cast trajectories, going in all sorts of directions, big curving overpasses that go over overpasses and under overpasses. And then, you can, once you get into it, you get up the top and you can see coming out of this McMaster thing, these big straight freeways just going out into Never Neverland, you can't see the end of them, it's just straight, because you're up really high. It's the only way to get really high in some parts of Texas is to go on the right to the overpass. You know, and there's bits that go under and there's bits that go over and there's bits going this way and that way and behind you and forwards and cars just going round. And whichever way you're going, you can always see cars on a trajectory going back the other way or over there or over there. And you know, because there's always a bit of nervousness when you hit one of those, there's a bit of comfort in knowing that if you've chosen the wrong off-ramp somehow, there's a way to head back in the right direction. 
And while you might have no idea how to get there, at least you know you can because you can see other people driving back that way. That's why this parable works for us. Why it's easy for us to jump into. Because however we perceive the trajectory of our life to be going, if we're unhappy about where we can see that leading, we gain encouragement by the hope offered in this parable of a return journey. Because this parable has an undo button in it, and the son, the younger son, clicks on the undo button. Trajectories have a start point and an end point. And for all the comfort we can gain from the application of the parable to our assessment of our current or our past or our future trajectories that we have in our lives, our eagerness to jump aboard with a new one says something about us that we may not want to say because some of those trajectories that are on display in this parable of Jesus they begin in tough places. They begin in dissatisfaction and they take off with optimism and they crash into disappointment. The younger son leaves because he's unhappy. He leaves because he's unsatisfied with what he has and he goes to a far off land because he believes it will be better and his squandering of his inheritance for him is in fact the peak of the trajectory. The crash ends in the pig pen and in disappointment for him. And even the older son, the older son stays where he is unhappy. When he's sought out by the father at the end, these are his words. He goes, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Does that sound like he enjoyed being there? His brother chose to go, he chose to stay even though he felt that his life was one of enslavement. Why? Where was the optimism in his trajectory as he saw it staying? Well, he stayed because he hoped for recognition by his father. And it never happened. He never gave me even a goat that I could celebrate with my, my friends. Then there's a new trajectory. The son journeys back, the young son. Guess what? It begins again in dissatisfaction. There's the optimism that if he gets back home, he can be taken back on as a servant. And then perhaps that trajectory peaks at the hug, the embrace, when the father runs to him and grabs him before he can even finish the speech he's been preparing. Father, I have sinned before God and before you, and I'm no longer willing to, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. I don't think he even gets it out, he just gets the heart. And it gets a bit better from there. There's the fatted calf and the robe and the ring on the finger. How are you going in your trajectory? Are you sure you want to be in the story? Much of the hope we find in the story stems from the possibility of the do-over 
the hope that even if we've chosen the wrong off-ramp, that somehow there is a way to head back. So where are you now? Where is your dissatisfaction? Where does your optimism lie? Are you at the end? Or are you at the beginning? It's Lent. You're halfway through. Lent is a time of self-reflection. It's a time of preparation. Maybe it's time to launch into a new trajectory that takes you back to where you really want to be.